Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. This is episode 1919. And today I'm going to talk about um, week seven in the WFA. I'm also going to talk about some more fundamentals of business for women's football that people need to understand. Um, I'm getting ready to put together a very detailed um, course that goes into depth on all of these elements and shares with people what to do and what not to do in women's football. And this is from my experience, what has been helpful and successful. Really quick, my name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I'm the host of Women's Football Success. This is episode 1919. And my disclaimer is that I am an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, but I am not your attorney. All the information that I provide on the radio show, on the website, on the blogs, on the digital material is all business information and should be thought of as such. None of this information per, uh, creates an attorney-client relationship with me and you, or between you and I. Therefore, if you have an issue that relates to business or whatever, um, seek an attorney in your jurisdiction with experience in your area of law. With that going said, I'm gonna move forward. I do apologize if there's any interruptions. My throat is already getting sore for this week um, with the radio shows I've been doing and um, trying to get through all of that. I'm gonna go through real quick. I'm just gonna share with you guys the WFA playoff scenario or the scheduling um, right now. Midwest two mid plays Midwest one uh, Pacific to plays Pacific one and NC. I, I don't even keep track of these. North Central, I'm guessing. I don't know. National Conference. I don't know. Um, two and one, they all play, well, the Northwest two and one and the PAC two and one play on June. That's not right. Those dates are not right. Hold on. I'm showing here on the website, it's it's going to be Saturday the 15th is when all of the um, playoff one starts. Um, so if you look at, if you go to WFAProFootball.com and you look at game info, you look up WFA uh, playoffs, you'll see kind of the plan for the... Playoff scenarios for playoff one, playoff two, and then the championship in Denver. Um, that's how it's going to happen. There is still um, a lot to be told for Division One, Two, II, and Three to determine who is going to be in those playoffs. Moving over to scores for. Uh, week seven in the WFA. Now I'm just, I'm not doing this for people that are listening regularly or dealing with the WFA weekly um, because you probably already know these. This is for later content for people that are picking this up weeks, months from now 
and they're trying to learn about women's football. And this offers uh, a lot of information about women's football going on this week. Um, let's see here. We had, it looks like four forfeits. One, two, three, four. Okay. So we had four forfeits. One of those is because the Arlington, or the, sorry, Arkansas Wildcats, um, gave notice that they were ending their season early due to um, lack of people and lack of funding. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today so uh, we can get uh, on track with that. So this is week seven. There was 28 games. We're going to go DC Divas. We're at Pittsburgh Passion. Considering Pittsburgh Passion went down to D3 this year and DC Divas is D1, um, this is a, an amazing score. DC Divas came out ahead 26 to 21 at Pittsburgh. Um, now the Baltimore Nighthawks went to the Boston Renegade and um, Boston Renegade won 68 to zip. Philly Phantom hosted the Maine Mayhem and beat them 14 to zip. The Connecticut Hawks hosted the Richmond Black Widows and were beat 22 to 18. The Cleveland Fusion went to the Columbus Comets and lost. The Comets came out ahead at 28 to 12. Now on the other side, the Detroit went to Capital City Savage and beat them 45 to 7. Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Sizzle went to the Columbus Vanguards and the Vanguards beat them handily at 40 to zip. And then the South Carolina Smash went to the Knoxville Lightning and beat Knoxville 40 to zip. Derby City Dynamite hosted the Music City Misfits and won 28 to zip. Then the um, Orlando Anarchy really handled the Daytona Wave Runners 78 to zip. Tampa Bay Inferno hosted the Miami Fury and beat them 41 to zip. A lot of a lot of blank to zip, you know, whatever amount to zip these days. And I'll tell you why. As the season goes on, right, there's more and more injuries, less and less players on the team. Whether they're still on the roster, right, but they're not necessarily able to play in regular season games or any more games this season. Um, the Wisconsin Dragons beat the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves. 72 to 20. So that's a lot of scoring in that game. Acadiana Zydeco went to Mississippi Panthers and were beat um, 50 to 6. Uh, Tulsa Threat went to the Mississippi Royalty and were, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mississippi Royalty went to Tulsa and Mississippi came out on top 62 to 27. Um, the Dallas Elite beat Austin Outlaws in Austin this week. We won uh, 27 to 6. Arlington got a forfeit from uh, Arkansas Wildcats, who did not um, host them. The Commonwealth County Camo um, were beat by the Houston Power 16 to 6. And then the Seattle Spartans forfeited to the Oregon Hawks. Two to zip. 
And let's see here, the Tacoma Trauma forfeited to the South Oregon Lady Gades, uh, zero to two. And then back to scoring games, we got the uh, Rocky Mountain Thundercats of Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, hosted the Utah Blitz and beat them 40 to zip. And then Mile High Blaze went down to Las Cruces, which is not a short trip. But Las Cruces won 56 to 0. Phoenix Phantoms uh, went to Kern County Crusaders and beat them at home 12 to 6. That was probably a very close, very nice game there. Uh, the Nevada Storm went to Sin City Trojans and beat them 28 to 12. And then Kansas City Titans hosted Cali War and were beat at home 35 to 18. The Inland Empire Ravens scored 31 against Ventura Wolfpack when they hosted them. Wolfpack got zero. And then let's see here. The New York Wolves went to just up, up the state to the New York Knockouts and beat them 23 to zip. And then Wyoming, the Wyoming Phoenix went to, I'm sorry, Wyoming, Iowa, Iowa Phoenix went to the Minnesota Vixen. Minnesota Vixen stomped on them, 59 to zip. And then the Rio Grande Heat won against, that would be the Albuquerque team, won against an uh, opponent, non-league opponent. Um, I'm not sure who they were supposed to play against, but they took a forfeit on that one as well. So, a lot of things going on in women's football week seven. Tons of things happening. We're getting out ready for week eight. Some of the things to watch for week eight, um, because some of these games are really starting to make uh, make a difference. Um, uh, and uh, starting to determine some action when it comes to playoffs. Trying to see which of these games. Uh, I'd like to see the Detroit Dark Angels versus the Pittsburgh Passion. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, but some teams, uh, we still have 15 games going on in the WFA. The Dallas Elite, the team that I'm co-owners of, um, is having a bye week. So we will uh, we will be having this week off. Um, I'd love to see the game against Minnesota Vixen um, at St. Louis Slam. That seems like a great game. So we'll see how we'll see how things turn out this week. Um, I'm not sure how things are going in the in the other leagues as far as women's football. Um, I just focus on the WFA. I just got that question came across um, in my messenger as I was recording this. So I just want to share with everybody that um, I only deal with on the women's football success. Um, I deal with women's football success in general and how the teams in the WFA can become more successful. Um, I want to see women's football grow in a positive direction, and um, that's what I put my um, skills and resources towards. I'm going to share with you guys, um, I'm on a, a three-part series, really, uh, when it comes to um, 
women's football and business um, resources, I guess business topics. Um, I'm working on a course for women's football for the teams in the WFA um, to educate owners and prospective owners about what it takes to be successful in women's football. Most of the teams in women's football are not clearing a profit. Um, I find that unfortunate. Um, many and most of the teams do not have paid players. I find that unfortunate as well. Um, several teams are moving towards getting teams, um, getting players paid, getting teams making a profit. Um, after all, um, if you started out a business, you did this for a profit. And why are we not all making a profit? Um, because everybody's doing things differently. And so I've, I've come up with a strategy. I've come up with a processes and procedures that I use in my women's football teams. And it has been very successful and I've been uh, profitable with it um, in the past. Um, I, I am on track or we are on track to make a profit in women's football this year. Um, the only thing that would keep us from um, being profitable would be um, the cost of legal services that we um, have acquired to um, fight some things. And, and I'll share a little bit about that with you here. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's very important in women's football that a lot of teams don't realize is that these teams have value. They, they have a numeric value you know, whether you, you know, whether you think yours is a hobby or, or what, uh, we started these businesses to, to be businesses and, and to have a profit, which means um, more revenue than expense equals a profit. Um, when somebody takes away from that value, it is lowering the value of your football team. Um, last week, I talked about the different structure or and how uh, teams are structuring their women's football teams. And uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that some people come up to me and say, oh, I started my women's football team and I set it up as a nonprofit. And I ask them why. And they say, well, because so-and-so does it as a nonprofit. So I just thought we were all supposed to do it as a nonprofit. And that's not the case. Um Determining what kind of legal structure your business is going to be in uh, is dependent on you and your circumstances and what you want to do with the organization, if that makes sense. Setting up a nonprofit is more for companies that plan to have longevity even after you no longer do uh, anything with the business, control the business, or president of the business, or whatever. And so that's when you would typically pick a nonprofit. And I went through all the details of that um, in last episode, trying to do these three, this three-part series of foundational information to let you guys know that women's football is a serious business or can be a serious business if you take it seriously. Um, we have had, I'm now co-owners of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. I've owned several businesses in the past. 
um, well, I still own several businesses, but I've owned several women's football teams in the past and um, I've been very successful in them. But we've um, chosen to um, stand up to others that are trying to devalue our organization, uh, take things from our organization and, and uh, make them look like they are theirs or their own um, products supplies, inventory, etc. And that's not the case. So we are going to fight that um, as long as we need to, um, to make sure that women's football is taken seriously. And that um, I'm going to come out with all the details. I'm going to go word for word with you guys in the coming weeks, to make sure everybody understands exactly what's going on. And there's no questions and no, uh, no thoughts about anything different. So The reason I am so passionate about women's football is that I know there is value in it. I know that it can be hugely successful, hugely, hugely profitable, and that the structure right now is not the perfect structure for how things are going to um, be in the future to make them successful. But I want to share with you guys, or I want to start implementing um, this education of business understanding. So last week I talked about the different legal structures and today I'm going to get into uh, marketing versus advertising and how um, one of the uh, things that I heard the other day from a uh, women's football team owner um, is that they, you know, they're branding. Everybody's talking about branding. This is my brand. I I'm branding my company and most most people don't even know what branding is um, and what it can do and how it works. I'm not even going to get into branding today. I'm just going to talk about advertising and marketing and then later on we'll get into some significant things about um what you can do to brand your organization, whether that's a women's football team or, or whatever. So let's share, I'm gonna share with you, I'm gonna talk to you about the differences between marketing and advertising and what they mean to you. A lot of people think that marketing and advertising are the same things and they're, they're different. Um, advertising is a component of marketing Marketing is not a component of advertising. So where they say, I don't know, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Does that make sense? A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Marketing is not advertising. Advertising is a component of marketing. Okay. Advertising is just one slice of the pie when it comes to marketing. Um, advertising is just that little component. It involves directly getting the word out about your business, whether it's a product or a service, to those that you want to reach. This can be done through billboards, direct mail, social media, 
TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, whatever. Those are all mediums of advertising. They're not marketing mediums. They're advertising mediums. So this is the device or way you are going to advertise your business. Okay? Advertising, the way the reason people get this kind of mixed up is because they confuse social media and marketing and advertising and kind of put that lump sum into one category and it's not. Marketing is a marketing is a systematic planning process to determine which activities or which things you are going to put together to make your marketing plan and how you are going to put those together to bring your buyers to your doorstep or to buy your tickets or to buy your merch to order things at the concession stand right what things are you going to put together to get people to your football game so that they will buy something from you? And that part of the marketing can include some advertising. It might include flyers. A lot of teams are still putting flyers out uh, on um, cars at other functions, at concerts, at other football games, whatever. Um, so... You want to look at your marketing as a strategic plan and advertising as one little component that you may or may not use. Some people do no advertising. Now me, I do, I, we do do advertising at the Dallas Elite, um, but you don't have to do advertising to get people to come to your football games, okay? Let's talk about marketing has so many different layers and components to it. And so does advertising. And that's, I think, where people, a lot of people get it confused because when you're, when you're coming up with a marketing plan, you're trying to determine who your potential audience is, who your target market is, right? And how you are going to entice them or encourage them to come out to one of your football games or your events or your fundraising um, parties or something. So you are trying to determine what is going to get them out there. Advertising does the very same thing, except it incorporates that thing into those mediums of advertising radio, TV, billboards, direct market, right? So if you are creating a marketing strategy, you would, so let's, let's just kind of do an example here. If you're creating a marketing strategy for people that want to come watch a football game, a lot of people just say, oh, shoot, we'll just, we'll just put everybody. We want everybody from five years old to 75 years old. And we want everybody that's within, you know, 50 miles of our stadium and people that like football. Well, that's about a billion 
for some of these towns, right? It's a, it's a good hundred million for some towns, and it's a good hundred thousand for other towns. So, creating that kind of a target market not only goes into your marketing strategy or your marketing plan, but it also goes into how you would advertise. It might not necessarily go into your advertising, but it could. And let's, I'm gonna show you two different things. So if I were going to take that information, five to 75 within 50 miles of my football stadium, I could, decide, I could decide that for my approach, I am going to use the radio. I'm going to get out on radio stations and promote my team. And in doing so, I would pick radio stations with my demographic or my target market. Now, ladies, this is one of the problems. If you've defined your target market as five-year-old to 75-year-old, what radio stations are you going to want to advertise on? All of them, right? Because we haven't decided whether we want them to listen to pop music, country music, rap music, classics. We haven't, we haven't determined who our target market would be in there. Besides the fact that we have not defined it so detailed that we could determine which specific radio stations we would want to have our um, advertisements on. Does this make sense? I hope it makes sense to you guys. So if you're wanting to create a marketing strategy, you need to determine what your target market is. That is who your ideal customer is. Is your ideal customer five to 75? No. Can all, can, will you welcome all the customers into the gate if they're five to 75? Sure we will. But that's not who we're really trying to get to, right? That's not who we're really trying to talk to and get to the games. Because how many five-year-olds really care that they're at a women's football game? Not a lot. Usually it's because somebody knows somebody that's on the team and that's how the children get there. Let's talk about a billboard. Advertising is done on a billboard, right? So I could put a big billboard up in Dallas. It said, come watch the Dallas Elite women's football team. And I'd probably get a couple of people to come from that billboard. But I probably spent about five to $7,000 a month for that billboard. And the message that I put on that billboard would be very tricky. If my target market or my market is five-year-old to 75-year-old, what words would I use on that billboard? What pictures? What would I try to get them to do? We're trying to get them to come to the games. That's no doubt. But you need to find something, a reason why they care to come to your games. And if you're trying to create a billboard that appeals to five-year-olds and 75-year-olds, it's going to be hard to come up with a marketing plan or a advertising campaign that reaches all those people. So what we need to do in women's football 
is realize that we cannot appeal to everyone, which is what a lot of teams are trying to do. They're trying to put a generic, general message out to appeal to everybody. And hopefully get that to stick with a few somebodies that will come out to the game or some real important somebodies that will sponsor the teams, right? But everybody's missing the mark on this, right? Everybody's missing the mark on this because they are not creating this good target market. They are not setting up a marketing plan and they are not creating advertisements that meet those marketing strategies. What's happening in women's football right now is that, well, there's several things happening in women's football right now, but we don't want to talk about that. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so what's happening right now is you have some, some teams don't know where to start, so they don't even start. They don't even bother to put out much marketing. They, they pitch a, a tryout or two. A couple weeks later, they pitch a game. The next week, they pitch a game. The next week, they pitch a fundraiser. And then the season's over. It's done. Some teams are doing that. So you either have the teams that are doing nothing, the teams that are doing the minimal, minimal, minimal. You have some teams, probably a handful or two handfuls, that are really knocking it out of the park on really getting their messages out there probably five to 10 teams. And then you have other teams that are way off base, way off base. I've been trying to tell people for, for a long time now, 90, I'd say 90 to 95% of women's football teams are having less than 500 people in the stands. Now there was that, what we call a breakout, breakout moment where the Las Cruces uh, La Muerta had 2,200 is what their count was for their first home game, 2,200, uh, which was fantastic. And we talked to her and she, you know, she lowered the price of her, well, I don't know if she lowered them or she, they're always this low, but they're $5 tickets. So she, her idea or her philosophy is that by having the $5 tickets, more people will come to the games. It's a great, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, it's a great idea, right? But a lot of teams and a lot of team owners are like, oh, $5. I don't know if we can just charge $5. We'll never make any money at $5. And that's what some teams are saying. And that's why some teams are $10 and $15 per game, right? But other teams know that they're only having 200 people or less to their games and out trying to get what I call big boy sponsors. You guys should be able to figure out what I call big boy sponsors, but we're, you know, a thousand dollar sponsor, maybe even a $2,000 sponsor. That's a little boy sponsor. Big boy sponsors are going to be $5,000 and up. And nobody's getting these big boy sponsors, Right. I mean, there's, there's claim that some teams are getting these big boy sponsors, but the only people that are benefiting from that are the league, that league, and the league owners. 
Nobody's benefiting from the sponsorship because everything's costing more. Right? So the idea about setting up your marketing strategy, it has to be coherent. It has to be congruent or equal to or in line with your company. And that's where we get to a brand. Just because you're putting out Facebook posts and you're putting out social media posts and you're putting out uh, a website does not mean you have a brand. Typically, you have a lot of different plates spinning at the same time and it's not a brand. In order to make a brand, everything, anything, everything that connects with your organization is in line with what you say. So if you say that you are pro girls in sports, then everything you do, everything deals with girls in sports. So your all of your fundraisers deal with girls in sports. All of your social media deals with girls in sports. All of your messages deals with girls in sports. That's what takes your advertising in your marketing strategies. The advertising you use in your marketing strategies becomes your brand when it all comes together and does the same thing. Now, if you're preaching female empowerment, but then you're over here pushing females down, then you don't have a brand. If you're promoting uh, fair pay and you're, let's see, fair, I'm trying to think of a couple, fair pay and equality, right? Fair pay and equality, then you cannot show inequality in anything that you do or else you don't have a brand. And I don't know of many people in the women's football industry that have been successful and have created a true brand. Because it's very, very difficult. Now, I'm not saying that to be mean or, or to surprise people or make anybody mad or anything, but... If your fundraisers, how do I say this? In order to create a brand, everything has to be going together. So your fundraiser has to promote equality. Your team has to promote equality. All of the members inside your team have to be doing something uh, about equality. And anytime it comes out that one of those things is not correct or not right or not true, um, it hurts your brand and makes it so you don't have a brand. You're just, you just have a marketing strategy. Hopefully at some point you can create a true brand. I can talk about this stuff forever. And I do. That's why my throat's hurt so bad. Um, so I really want to make sure that people understand in women's football, advertising is marketing. 
but marketing is not advertising. And I'm going to try and pull up here. <laughs> if you do not have a marketing plan in place for your women's football team, it is very, 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 very important that you do you create one that you get one in place now the reason why is you're just wasting time um, and let me give you an example of this uh, because it happens all the time in women's football especially around week five six and seven totally happens in almost every team that I've been a part of or talked to okay a lot of teams get together and it's oh we should have done we should do this parade. Oh my gosh, there's this thing coming up over here. We should do that. Get the word out. Oh, we should go over here. Oh, you know what? They're having a concert over here. Oh, what about a challenge? Let's do a challenge. Oh my goodness, let's do a girls clinic. And things start to get a little crazy. And I don't mean to laugh, but I know every single person that is listening to the show knows of a team or 10 that does exactly this no planning happens at the beginning so then by week four five six seven they're oh shit right oh shit time when it's like oh my gosh we're not going to have enough money to finish we're not going to have enough players to finish and what are we going to do if we actually get in the playoffs then we're in serious trouble right so this begins in your marketing plan stages before the season ever begins. Why am I talking about it right now? I, does anybody know why I'm talking about it right now? Because I'm working on next year, 2020. Okay, the reason I'm bringing up these topics last week of forming your, forming your women's football team under a certain legal structure and fundamental business concepts, why? Not because I'm getting people to fix last year. That's gone. That's over. Whatever you guys did not plan for last year is happening right now, right? I am focusing on next year because I am ahead of schedule. I am a planner. Things need to be planned out well in advance. You cannot plan them. If you come to uh, the WFA in January wanting to buy, wanting to set up a team, you are behind the eight ball. January is not the time to be setting up a women's football team. Right? So what you need to do now, this is to get ready to for 2020, is to start creating your marketing plan. And I'm just going to give you the basics here. Um, and let you know that these are, how do I, you can pull up any business planning information on the internet and any marketing planning on the internet, and it will do you justice. It will get you better than you did last year. Because I would say 90% of women's football teams don't have this in place right now. And if they do, it's crap. But. Having it in place, you're better off than 90% of the other teams, right? So if you guys just want a quick, free 
ready to go? How do I do marketing planning for my women's football team? You can get on the internet and do that. Now I've created through my long time in women's football and in other businesses. Uh, I, I also teach people how to start businesses and planning and marketing, etc. I've actually created a business planning solution that includes marketing plan. Um, but I have extra components that I put into all of my business plans. And I feel that those components, there's, there are nine, nine components in addition to a regular business plan and marketing plan. These nine components are what has allowed me to be uh, more successful than many in women's, in women's business um, because I've started several businesses and been very successful in them. And then I get bored and move on to other businesses. But um, my husband says that I, I start businesses like other people start hobbies. And that's absolutely true because I only have one life to live. And um, there's absolutely no reason to say I didn't get anything done in this life. So I'm going to pull up. Let me see if I can find some. I mean, I'm just going on the Internet real quick. Marketing plan outline. Here we go. So just for the basics, this talks about setting out your goals, your focus, your culture, your strengths and weaknesses, right? But the idea is to make them congruent in line with working in conjunction with all your other things that you're doing. Now, if you're... If your guys' motto is party hard and be crazy, then you're probably not wanting to do any Girl Scouts events or things like that. If you're towards, if, if your whole focus is, like, for example, women's health. Women's health is a broad thing, but you could use that to go into different components of women's health. Uh, domestic violence, uh, cancer awareness, heart health, physical fitness, but make sure that all of those components work in all of your marketing. Make sure one of those, if, if you're, if you're doing heart, if you're doing women's health, but then all of your parties are at a bar and all the pictures on your website are of you screaming at women, then it's probably not going to look correct, right? It's not going to be in line with your vision for what you're doing. So the other thing that I want to share with you about your marketing, so you can go on here and get any, you know, on the website. I'm, I'm on the internet right now looking at different things about marketing plan outlines. And one of the things that it has in here, which is a very good example, um, is you also want to make sure that all of that congruency, all of that in line, uh, approach should also match your pricing, the visual, um, how you do things. So for example, let's see, if you're, this is a perfect example. Let's, let's go with luxury. If you're, if you're putting on your women's football as a luxury, a luxury item, 
very, you know, top of the line, VIP, right? Okay. And so some teams are doing that and some leagues are doing that. They're saying, this, this, is, this is the best of the best. Then the best of the best should have the highest quality of football, the best uniforms. Everybody should be traveling in airplanes. And the cost of the tickets should be $50 a person. And the costs of the clothes should be outrageous, right? I mean, that's, you know. But if any one of those things is out of line, you're doing your brand or your so-called brand a disservice. Because it doesn't work that way. So going back to, we talked about children. You know, if, if children is your, kind of your, thing or your target market, then your pricing is going to be different, right? Because you're going to want to focus on families that have lots of children and they're not going to be able to pay $50 a ticket for each of these kids to come into the game, right? Um, same thing if, if your approach is cost savings or family outing, it'll be very much the same. You might order a, a bundle or a packet of tickets for a family of four to come in, two adults, two children for one set price. Um, which could be very economical. Now, with that, your distribution channels and your advertising are going to be very similar, right? So if we make our approach to children or families, now what radio station do we want our advertisements on? Maybe Disney Channel, maybe the Kids Channel, whatever, right? Maybe PBS, that kind of thing. Things start to get in line when you have determined who your target market is then all the other components, you can kind of determine where they're going to be. If you are going to be the best of the best, the VIP, and then only the best of the best um, companies can sponsor you, only the best of the best people can play for you, then you can't have, if that's the case, then you can't have felons on your team. You can't have people going to jail, right? You can't, none of that. <laughs> that was just a joke that, uh, came up to I'm not saying that any teams are that way or have to be that way or whatever but if you're if you're claiming that your team is wholesome and wonderful and awesome and catering towards family then you can't have the opposite on your team or opposite pricing or opposite marketing opposite t-shirts etc okay so worst case scenario is for you guys to get on the internet somewhere, anywhere, find a marketing plan outline and get it together for next year. Okay, get it together. With that being said, I'll be sharing <coughs> my business plan that includes my marketing planning um, on future episodes um, as I get it done for women's football only. If you guys have any questions about this, feel free to connect with me. I have several people connecting through either um, Instant Messenger, email, website, WFA, any of those things. Please feel free to reach out to me and ask any questions that you have. If I don't have the answer for you, I will find out who does and get you in touch with that person or find out the answer for you. I appreciate you guys' time and effort in women's football. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people come into women's football because they love to play or they love the hobby of it. But women's football is a business. 
and um, it needs to be treated as such. So I appreciate you guys' time and effort in trying to make it a legit uh, business opportunity. You guys have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.